all you have. You are now tuned in to Parker Swayze. So just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's up, fellow Star Wars geeks? How is everyone doing today? I hope everybody is doing good. Not really too much to report on my side of the galaxy. I have been studying for my CDL for the last week and the stuff that they want to know, just crazy. I always thought that it was like a regular driver test. You just did it in a big truck, but no, not even close. I mean, that's part of it, but they want you to know everything about the truck, all the parts and what they do. Like who's going to really check the depth of the tire tread? That's just crazy. What else did I want to cover today? Uh, Some exciting rumors are floating around the Star Wars universe. It is rumored that Luke and Leia will be in the up and coming Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney+. This comes after a casting call for some children actors. Okay, okay, before I get too far ahead of myself, a movie about Obi-Wan Kenobi has been something that Star Wars fans have wanted for a long, long time. I know I have been wanting to see the movie about Obi-Wan Kenobi, but Disney decided to do a series, and it was officially announced last summer. Now, as far as the details, they are still few and far between, but a recent casting call may have revealed an interesting development in the direction of the story. A new report claims that the production is on the hunt for two children actors to play a pair of twins, which this being Star Wars can only be Luke Skywalker and Leia Organa. Maybe it could be something else and we're just overthinking it, but Disney is looking for two kids to play their lead roles, as they are described as a Caucasian girl 8 to 11 years old and a Caucasian boy 8 to 11 years old. Now, with the Obi-Wan series set to take place somewhere in between Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, and Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope, this will put the Skywalker twins right in his age range. This would also cover what we know about Obi-Wan's location during this time, with the old Jedi Master living on Tatooine so he can watch over Luke. But like I said, this is just a rumor. For all we know, these kids could be all new characters. After the last three movies and The Mandalorian, I don't think we'll ever know what Disney is going to do. All we can do is wait and see. And with that being said, I think that we should get to the quote for this week. And it comes to us from Roy Bennett. And he said, To have what you never had, you have to do what you never done. I don't ever plan to be a truck driver, but having my CDL will ensure that I will always have a job. Plus, it's another notch on my repertoire of things that I can do. Never limit yourself to one thing. My passion is in entertainment, hence the reason I am the voice of this podcast. But what if something happened to my voice and I can't do it anymore? Having other skills to fall back on will help me. We must plan for things that might happen and hope that they never do. Okay, okay, enough with all that. Let's get to the book. Because in chapter 27, the stuff hits the fans. So let's get to it. As planned, Revan, Atra, Scourge, and T3M4 left the cave at dawn. Though dawn on Dromund Kaas was a term with little meaning. The black storm clouds completely blocked out the sun and the sky was only marginally lighter than it had been during the night. A steady drizzle fell on them as they climbed into the speeder. They rode in silence, all of them preparing in their own way for what they knew lay ahead. Mitra had gone into what Revan called her warrior's trance. She sat still and straight, her eyes focused on nothing as she stared straight ahead. He had seen it many times during the war against the Mandalorians. Before each major battle, she would try to center her emotions cleansing herself of all fear and hatred lest the imminent violence draw her toward the dark side. She believed she could transform herself into a perfect conduit for the Force, an incorruptible weapon of light. Revan was no longer sure such a thing was possible, but he didn't say anything to Mitra for fear of disrupting her routine. With his memories restored, Revan recalled that he too had once clung to a set of rituals before each battle. He would stare at his reflection in the mirror, 
his face covered by his mask as he recited the Jedi Code over and over until the words seemed to blend together, their meaning lost in the rhythmic repetition of a mantra. In those days, he had believed this would protect him from the dark side, but he no longer had any such illusions. He was older and wiser. He understood that the two sides of the Force were more closely intertwined with each other than either the Jedi or the Sith would ever admit. He had learned to balance on the knife edge between them, drawing on both the light and dark sides for strength. As much as things had changed, however, he still felt the old stirrings of glory as they set off, a faint echo from the impetuousness of youth that had caused him to defy the Council and lead his fellow Jedi into war so many years before. Even T3 was strangely subdued, the gravity of their situation weighing as heavily on the astromech as it did on his organic companions. Revan knew he didn't have to worry about Mitra or the faithful droid. Scourge was another matter, however. The conversation they'd had during the night left little doubt that the Sith was troubled. Unlike the Jedi, he had not spent a lifetime preparing for this. The concept of self-sacrifice came easily to those who walked the path of the light. Even though he occasionally strayed into the dark side, Revan still embraced the nobility of the idea. For the Sith, however, there was no such thing as a noble death. Scourge understood the concept of sacrifice, but only when it came to sacrificing others. He had been taught to value survival above all else. Even his willingness to join with Revan and Mitra was driven by his desire for self-preservation. Ultimately, he wanted victory only for his sake and not for the sake of others. Perhaps there was no greater illustration of the difference between the light side and the dark, and Revan knew it would make their mission more difficult for Scourge. He had tried to make him understand during their brief conversation, but it was hard to undo years of teaching in a single night. Still, the Sith seemed to be holding himself together well enough this morning. I can't bring the speeder in too close, Scourge said now, taking them in for a landing on the farthest outskirts of Cost City. They might have set up ion cannons to shoot down any unauthorized vehicles. They continued on foot, making their way through the empty streets heading toward the citadel. They didn't encounter a single living soul on their journey. Apart from the Emperor's guard, nobody dared to violate the curfew, and three Force-sensitive individuals and an astromech equipped with top-of-the-line optical and audio sensors had no trouble avoiding the handful of patrols still wandering the streets. As they drew closer to the city center, the signs of the previous night's mayhem became more frequent and more striking. Most of the windows were shattered, and many of the buildings were blackened by smoke or completely gutted by fire. The street was pockmarked with craters and covered with the burned-out husks of speeders lying on their sides. Most of the dead had been carted away, either by friends or imperial cleaning crews but there was still the odd body slumped in a doorway or half-hidden under a refuse pile down a side alley. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best-sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout-out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. If we run into anyone, let me do the talking. Scourge whispered as they mounted the steps. 
They were only a few meters away from the entrance when the door flew open and half a dozen of the red uniformed soldiers spilled out, armed with blasters and electrostaffs. You are in violation of the Imperial curfew, one of the soldiers informed them. Surrender your weapons and you will be escorted to a nearby prison facility. You fool, Lord Scourge spat at the guard, his voice rising with arrogant indignation. Do you know who I am? Only those explicitly authorized by the Emperor are permitted on the streets. The soldier replied, his voice wavering only slightly. I need no authorization. My name is Lord Scourge, and I demand a meeting with the Emperor. From the reaction of the soldiers, it was clear they recognized the name. No doubt every member of the Emperor's Guard was aware by now that Scourge had been the catalyst for the Emperor's sudden purging of the entire Dark Council. We will escort you to him, the leader replied, lowering his weapon. But the others must wait here. No, Skirt said. They will come with me to speak with the Emperor in person. The soldier seemed on the verge of denying the request, and Revan mentally prepared himself to unleash his fury. But at the last minute, the man relented. At least partially. Follow me, he said. I'll ask the captain to meet us outside the throne room. She will decide whether to allow this. Revan was impressed by Scourge's performance, not to mention relieved. On his last visit to Drummond Koss, he and Malik had learned everything they could about the Imperial Guard. Though not attuned to the Force in the classical sense, the elite soldiers had a connection with the Emperor, allowing them to draw strength from the dark side. They were formidable opponents, even for a Jedi. He'd feared they'd have to fight through dozens of the Guard before reaching the throne room, giving the Emperor ample time to prepare his counterattack. Now, however, they had a chance to take their adversary by surprise. They were led down a twisting maze of corridors, along a winding journey that Revan remembered from his last visit to the Citadel. He and Malak had followed the same route, led by a guard they had bribed for access, completely unaware that they were being led into a trap. It was possible the same thing was being done to them this time as well, but Revan didn't think that was the case. The guard who had betrayed him and Malak had met with them numerous times before, leading them into the Citadel, no doubt reporting back to the Emperor after each visit. This time, however, events had moved too quickly and too spontaneously for the Emperor's patient hand to be behind them. As they drew closer to the throne room, Revan's thoughts drifted back to his last confrontation with the Emperor. In all his battles, he had never faced an enemy with that kind of power. The dark side had radiated from him in palpable waves, his physical shell barely able to contain the crackling energy. In their last meeting, he had overwhelmed Revan completely. It wasn't even fair to call it a battle. Revan had grown since then. He was far more powerful now. But was he a match for the Emperor? Alone, probably not. With the combined strength of Mitra, Scourge, and even T3, however, he believed they stood a real chance of victory. Despite this, he still felt a chill in his gut when he saw again the enormous durasteel doors of the throne room. They were shut, of course, but he knew all too well what lay beyond. Where is your captain? Scourge demanded, and Revan realized there was nobody there to meet them. She is coming, the guard assured him. I will not be kept waiting, Scourge snarled, continuing to play his part. I demand you open these doors immediately. A soldier hesitated, then motioned for two of his men to do as Scourge had commanded. Revan braced himself for what was to come. 
they had discussed this part of their plan before leaving the cave. The instant the doors were pushed open, all four would charge inside. While Revan rushed the Emperor, Mitra and Scourge would hang back and hold off the guards long enough for T3 to close and seal the doors. Their timing had to be almost perfect. Revan knew he couldn't go toe-to-toe with the Emperor by himself for very long. He sensed Mitra tensing beside him, and his own hand drifted to the hilt of his lightsaber beneath his belt in anticipation. What is going on here? A female voice called up from behind him. The two soldiers who had been about to push open the heavy Durasteel doors froze in place. Captain Yari, said the man who escorted them in, snapping off a sharp salute. Lord Scourge demands another meeting with the Emperor. Revan was standing with his back to the captain, but he didn't need to see her face to recognize the name. Yari, the guard who had led him and Malik into the Emperor's trap. This is not acceptable, Lord Scourge, she said, the heels of her boots clacking as she approached. If you wish to speak to the Emperor, you must do so alone. I do not take orders from you, Captain, Scourge said. In the Citadel, you do, she answered. You other two, and the droid, step away from there. Revan had been carefully facing away from the speakers during the entire conversation, his eyes fixed on the massive doors. Suddenly, he felt a hand on his shoulder as one of the soldiers tried to pull him clear of the entrance. He slapped the hand away and turned to face them. Yari was standing beside Scourge, a few meters away from the rest of the group. She had come alone to meet them, bringing their escort up to a total of seven. The captain's eyes went wide with shock as she saw his unmistakable red and gray mask. She gasped, then shouted out, Assassins! Kill them all! So we start off with Mitra, Revan, Scourge, and T3 leaving the cave and heading to Ka City. As they journey, Mitra begins a set of rituals as she does to prepare herself for the upcoming battle. Something that she did to keep herself from slipping too close to the dark side as she kills her enemies. Becoming a perfect weapon for the light. Revan used to have some rituals that he did before he went into battle, but after his play with the dark side, he realizes that they are too closely intertwined to worry about it. He uses both, but he always remembers to follow the Jedi Code to keep him from going straight to the evil part of himself. But they have both been trained to hold the light in a higher standard. Even T3 was going through some things as he anticipated the coming conflict. But Revan didn't have to worry about the droid or Mitra. He had to worry about Scourge. Mitra and Revan had both been trained how to deal with self-sacrifice, but Scourge had never had any training to prepare himself for this. Uh, I'm with Scourge on this whole thing. I wouldn't want to walk into a place that I might die, especially if I just had my first vision and that's what I was shown. Even though Revan had tried to make him understand the night before, he couldn't expect him to change a lifetime of self-preservation overnight. Scourge and as the Jedi that he does not dare to bring the Spreeder in too close because the Imperial Guard might have set up ion cannons on the roofs to intercept incoming transports. They will have to continue their journey on foot. If you think about it, two Jedi and a Sith Lord should be able to avoid anyone with ease. As they continue to the Citadel, they see the destruction caused by the chaos from the day before. Burnt up buildings, every once in a while a body lying in an alley. If I were any of them, I would be like, we need to get the heck out of here. I still think that they should have went for help, but that's just my personal opinion. But as they approach the Citadel, Scourge tells them if they run into anybody, let him do the talking. As they approached the door of the Citadel, it flew open and a half a dozen guards came out. They were armed with electrostaffs and blasters. One of the guards shouted out that they were in violation of the Imperial curfew. Scourge being Scourge started boasting about who he is, hoping that by now everyone knew that he was the one that snitched on Nyrus and other, making him a hero of the Empire. This is when he tells them that he wants to talk to the Emperor. At first, the guard looks to refuse Scourge's request, but after a moment, they agreed and let him go. 
Raven was impressed by Scourge's performance. He is also happy they didn't have to battle with the guard. Even though they can't use the force, they are connected to the Emperor and they aren't no punks. As they proceed to the throne room, Raven remembers how it was the first time he met the Emperor. It gave him chills and it sounds like he's even a little bit scared. He had to tell himself that he was stronger now. He still didn't think he could beat the Emperor alone, but with the help of Scourge, Mecha, and T3, he thought that they had a chance. As they were on the way, the guard calls their captain to meet them there. When she shows up, one of the guards announces her. This is when she asks Scourge what he thinks he is doing. He tells her that he wants to meet with the Emperor. She said, that's fine, but you must go alone. Raven is facing away from her, but he remembers the name Yari. She is the one that tricked him and Malak the first time they met the Emperor. As she continues to deal with Scourge, one of the guards approaches Raven, then reaches up and spins him around. Yari sees Raven's red and gray mask, yells out assassins, kill them, and that's where we're at. Let's see what else happens in the rest of this chapter. Revan lashed out with his foot, delivering a sidekick to the chest of the guard who had grabbed his shoulder, sending the man stumbling back. T3M4, his electrical circuits instantly processing the situation, reacted by firing off his built-in blaster. The beam struck the soldier square in the chest. At the same time, Mitra threw herself at the two guards standing in front of the doors to the throne room, her lightsaber materializing in her hand. Ordinary soldiers would have been chopped down before they could even draw their weapons, but the Imperial Guard were not so easily felled. The first soldier met her charge and parried the first strike with his electrostaff. The resilient metal of his weapon deflecting the energy blade of the Jedi off to the side so that it carved a deep scar in the wall. The second soldier left into the fray, forcing Mitra to fall back a step to absorb their coordinated attack. Slightly farther away, Scourge and Captain Yari were also engaged in close quarters combat, his lightsaber clashing against her electrostaff as they battled in the narrow confines of the entrance hall. An alarm began to ring out in the hall, triggered by one of the other three soldiers. Before they could join in the fight, Revan thrust his hand palm up in the direction of the sealed Durasteel doors, blasting them wide open with the power of the Force. Into the throne room, he shouted, rushing forward. One of the guards battling Mitra broke off and tried to cut Revan off. The Jedi gathered himself and leapt high in the air, tucking his knees in tight to somersault over his opponent. The guard reacted to the unexpected move a fraction too slowly, his electrostaff slicing through the air above his head and missing Revan by only a few centimeters. Revan landed on the ground and wheeled around to face the other man. He thrust out with the force, the impact hitting the soldier square in the chest. Instead of sending him flying, it only staggered him back half a step. This close to the Emperor they were sworn to protect, the guards were able to draw on his power to protect themselves. Still, the slight tumble gave Revan enough time to draw his lightsaber and go on the offensive. He came in with a high overhand chop, an obvious feint meant to draw the defenses of his opponent upward, leaving his legs exposed to a quick follow-up strike. The guard recognized the familiar ploy, countering it by parrying the overhand chop and then quickly dropping his blade low to intercept the inevitable slash in his legs. Only Revan didn't go for his legs. Anticipating that his opponent's defenses would go low, he kept his blade up high, allowing him to end the battle with a horizontal cut across the man's suddenly exposed throat. T3 had followed him into the throne room, but Mitra and Scourge were still locked in battle with the guards in the hall outside. They were waging a fighting retreat. They maneuvered themselves so they could back into the throne room while keeping the guards at bay. At the far end of the hall, another half a dozen of the Imperial Guard rounded the corner. Revan reached out with the force and rid the vaulted stone archway in the ceiling above them free from its setting. 
a shower of dust and debris rained down on the reinforcements, sending them into temporary retreat. It wasn't enough to block the passage, but it did buy Scourge and Mitra a few precious seconds to complete their retreat into the chamber. They crossed the threshold, still engaged with Captain Yari and the three surviving Imperial Guard that had escorted them to the throne room. Revan reached out with the force and slammed the Durasteel door shut, the clang echoing loudly in the throne room. Seal the doors, he shouted at T3. Then he turned his attention to the other end of the throne room. The Emperor was seated on his throne, watching the proceedings with cold detachment. Revan felt the same chill he had experienced the last time he had come into the Emperor's presence. The physical manifestation of his enemy's malevolent power. I did not expect you to return, the Emperor said, rising to his feet. Revan didn't bother to reply as he charged forward. Scourge was an expert swordsman. At the academy, even the instructors had been reluctant to face him in the training ring. When the dark side flowed through him, his blade was more than a weapon. It became an extension of his will. Captain Yari's skill with her electrostat was impressive, but ultimately she was no match for a Sith Lord. Knowing this, she had wisely adopted a defensive style to hold off the first few flurries of Scourge's attack, her focus on stalling him long enough for one of her companions to join the fray before switching to a more aggressive form. Now Scourge was forced to defend himself on two fronts as he backed into the throne room. In his peripheral vision, he saw that Mitra was in a similar situation, retreating while battling a pair of enemies. The fact that Revan hadn't come to their aid told Scourge that the Jedi had gone to confront the Emperor. Conjuring up images from Scourge's vision of him lying broken and beaten on the floor at the Emperor's feet. Yari's staff slipped through his defenses and clipped him on his right shoulder. Scourge's armor absorbed the worst of the blow, though he felt a painful jolt from the Electrostaff's charge that made his hand and arm tingle. Even as Scourge cursed himself for allowing thoughts of his vision to distract him, he deftly switched his blade from his temporarily numb right hand to his left. The move was dangerous. It left him momentarily vulnerable as he made the switch. Fortunately, his opponents were unprepared for the unorthodox tactic, and neither was able to take advantage. While he and Mitra fought the quartet of guards, T3M4 was busy sealing the doors. The droid was spraying black foam along the edge where the double doors came together. Scourge recognized the foam as a powerful contact adhesive commonly used to repair starships. Seconds after being exposed to air, it would harden into a substance that could be cut only with a plasma torch. Yari's blade nearly caught him again, narrowly missing his cheek. Scourge swore out loud. If he didn't stay focused on the fight, his vision of the Emperor killing him wouldn't even have a chance to come true. Go help Revan! Mitra shouted to T3 as the astromech finished his task. Scourge pressed his attack, calling on the dark side to transform his uncertainty and fear into white-hot rage. He felt the power coursing through him, the spark of fury deep inside him igniting into a firestorm of death and destruction. Left-handed, Scourge unleashed a pair of savage chops at Yari's partner, using raw brute strength to overpower his physically weaker opponent. The guard parried the blows, but the first knock 
knocked him off balance, and the second sent him stumbling backward. While the guards struggled to recover, Scourge focused his assault on the captain. Yari sensed the shift in her opponent too late to switch back to a more defensive form, and the Sith Lord was quick to exploit the tactical flaw. A four-move sequence overwhelmed Yari, causing her to leave her right flank unprotected. Scourge seized the opportunity, his blade biting deep into her hip. Yari screamed, dropped her blade, and fell to the ground. The other guard leapt to her defense, restlessly throwing himself between his fallen captain and Scourge. The only reward for his effort was a quick death, delivered by a diagonal lightsaber slash across his chest. At Scourge's feet, Yari fumbled to reclaim her weapon. The agony of her wound made her desperate and clumsy, giving Scourge time to relish her suffering. As her fingers wrapped around the hilt of her electrostaff, he brought his boot down on the top of her hand, crushing the bones. He stared into the captain's eyes one last time, savoring her terror, before decapitating her with a single stroke. We have to help Revan! Mitra shouted, and Scourge turned to see that she, too, had just finished off her opponents. He needs us! This part of the chapter starts off when Mitra, Scourge, and Revan battling with the Imperial Guards. Even little T3 is fighting for his life. Like Revan said before, the Imperial Guards aren't no punks. And I can see that Yari was a force to be reckoned with. There is a reason that she is the captain of the guard. Okay, it's because she manipulated Revan and Malak into a trap. But she's still one of the best. Mitra was battling with two of the guards. Scourge was fighting with Yari and another guard. This is when Revan uses the force to push the throne room doors open. He yells out for Mitra, Scourge, and T3 to follow him in. One of the guards tries to cut Revan off, but Revan flips over him and then uses the force to shove him back a step. He would have been able to shove him back much further, but being this close to the Emperor made the guard even stronger because they were able to feed off of his power. But the move gave Revan time to pull out his lifesaber and strike the guard down. This is what I'm getting. There were seven guards in total. Revan just killed one. Mitra and Scourge are both fighting two apiece. So where did the other two go? I'm just saying that ain't adding up. But Mitra and Scourge battle with the four remaining guards. They back into the throne room. Revan uses the force to shut the doors and tells T3 to seal them up. Then he turns to the Emperor sitting on the throne. Okay, just let me say this. If the Emperor didn't even get up to protect himself, he just sat there watching like a spectator. This means that he thinks that you're not a threat. I think Revan should have thought this plan out a little bit better. When Revan said the same thing Scourge did, when Scourge first met the Emperor, that the dark side of the force radiated off the Emperor in waves. I'm not messing with this dude. If I were Scourge, I would be thinking we're about to die. Why in the heck did I listen to these dumb Jedi? Right at this moment, the Emperor spoke. He tells Revan that he didn't think Revan was ever going to come back. And this is when the Emperor stands to his feet. Revan charges forward towards the Emperor. Now, Scourge was a master swordsman. Even the trainers at the Sith Academy didn't want to face him. Yari was very good with her electric staff, but in the end, she was no match for Scourge. She did get a good hit on Scourge's right shoulder, causing him to lose feeling in his arm and hands. But Scourge was good enough that he just switched to his left hand. This is when he lashed out with the other guard he was facing, moving him back. Then he attacked Yari, cutting her on her hip, causing her to fall down. This is when the other guard tries to come to Yari's rescue and was rewarded with a quick death. Yari tried to get up, reaching for her electro staff. This is when Scourge stomps her on her hand, crushing the bone. She screams, then he cuts her down. Why does Scourge like breaking people's bones so much? He already has her beat, so why does he need to step on her hand? 
I'm starting to think he's just a jerk by nature. It doesn't have anything to do with him being a Sith. He's just a jerk. But after he finishes with Yari, he looks over to see Mitra finishing both her guards she was facing. She yells out, we need to help Revan. That's where Drew leaves us as chapter 27 comes to an end. This is how you know that Drew is a master writer. He ends the chapter with you on the edge of your seat. He knows you will move right on to the next chapter because you want to find out what happens. And we will find out next week when we continue with chapter 28. Hope to see you then. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.